Uh, we're in, on the second week of our worship series. The, the title of our series is called Encountering God. It's a series on worship. We're on week number two. Uh, today, as we kind of, last week was more introduction. It was kind of kind of laying the groundwork or laying the foundation for kind of how we're going to be handling some of these things. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to kind of be dissecting a verse. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, uh, verse number 18. This is going to be kind of our, our verse that we're going to use throughout the series. We're going to dissect this, go part point by point, because I believe that within this scripture that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, that we are able to really see kind of God's plan, God's desire for worship, and kind of what it needs to look like, and kind of what we can learn from it. So again, if you weren't here last week, or or you forgot, this series is not about style, it's not about what worship types of songs, or, or types of even expressions that God is looking for, but this is something deeper, this is something that should be a part of all of our worship, and something that we should all understand. Saying. So we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 18, and here's what it says. It says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at this verse. We're going to be dissecting it again and, and kind of looking and seeing what God has for us as a church, as individuals, as far as worship goes. And I really believe that this is going to be something that will help transform who we are and how we understand worship. Like I we talked about last week, I grew up in the church. I experienced all these things, and I've been to several churches, and I'm just going to be honest, and I'm not saying this is a negative or a bad thing, or how could they, or why didn't they do this, but it's just something I always looked at. I never remember, and maybe I just forgot, but I never remember hearing a series on worship. We'd always looked at the churches, oh, worship in the word, worship in the word. I remember going to Bible college, and what did I hear? You got to worship in the word, and, and I totally agree with that. But what I've learned is there's not a lot in our lives that we just wake up one day and know how to do it. We don't wake up one day and know how to worship God. Now, we, we kind of learn as we go, and, and, and those things are fine and great and dandy. But also, I believe that if we're really going to be able to dive down deep into what God has for us in worship, we need to really understand what it is. We need to understand what God is trying to help us to understand when it comes to how to worship Him and how that should change us, transform us, and what should be a part of when we worship and how we worship. Like I said, last week was kind of the introduction. If you weren't here last week, it's online. You can hear it. Uh, I, I invite you to go check that out so you kind of understand a little bit more. But first, uh, as we jump into week number two, we're going to start with this. And this is the first part of 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says this, but we all, but we all. That's what we're going to be talking about today, but we all. And the understanding here is worship is for everyone. Worship is for everyone. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Father, we need you. Father, I need you. Father, without you and without your anointing and without your spirit, these are just words. And and words are great and fine and dandy. But God, we're not interested in great and fine and dandy. We're interested in you changing hearts and molding us and helping us to grow into who you've created us to be. So, Father, my words can't do that. I'm not going to even pretend to act like my words can do that. But, Father, your words transform. Your words do something inside of us. And so, Father, I pray that your words would exit my mouth, that my words would cease, and that, Father, you would come and do all the things you need to do inside of us this day. Open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears, so that we can hear and see and know what the Spirit is doing inside of us. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. But we all, worship is for everyone. We need to understand this. This is a concept. Now, now, now I, I use the word everyone. I could have used the word all. I could have used the word whatever that would express everybody. But basically, we'll see that in a minute as far as some scriptures that we're going to look at. But basically, we need to understand that worship is for all of us. There is not, you are not exempt from worship. In fact, worship is something, quite honestly, that we do whether we understand it or not, whether we know it or not. Worship is something that just seems to happen. We were created to worship. The question is always the same. What are we going to worship? What are you worshiping in that moment? Are you worshiping God? Are you worshiping a person? Are you worshiping something else? Are you worshiping yourself? But we're all worshiping. And we have to understand that. The easiest thing that can help us in this transition is really to answer this question. I am going to worship. Whether I like that or not, whether I want to acknowledge that or not, I will worship. The question is, what am I worshiping? But we were created to worship. We were created to worship God. However, when sin entered the picture and the enemy comes in and begins to to tempt us and to bring those things, unfortunately, we begin to worship other things. We begin to look in other areas of our lives. Instead of who created us, made us, formed us, we begin to worship other things. But we have to understand, we're all going to worship. We're all going to worship. And what, the question is always the same, what are we going to worship? But as we jump into this, we're going to look at some, some ideas here and some thoughts to understand this a little bit deeper. And the first thing is quite simply this. Now we can all actually all come. We can all come. Look at Exodus 33. In Exodus 33, we go back to the... No, that's interesting. Huh. I am not standing on my head. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but who cares? We're all right. In Exodus 33, starting with verse number 8, we're going to look at something that's very interesting. Now, of course, this is Old Testament. This is before Jesus has come. And and, and I want to show you the way things used to be. In Exodus 33, it says this, starting with verse number 8. It says, whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting. Now, let's define tent of meeting. The tent of meeting was an area in the wilderness at this time that the temple had not been built, all those things. So they would construct this basically tent or tabernacle. uh, And basically, that is where the presence of God would come. And so that's the tent of meeting in the wilderness here. So Moses went out to the tent of meeting and all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. And he went into the tent. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud, now the pillar of cloud here represents and was the presence of God. Okay, you have to understand that. When the people saw the, the uh, it, says, it says when when the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance when the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing in the entrance of the, of the tent, they would stand and bow in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Now, we have to kind of, uh, uh, that's a big portion of scripture. And there's a lot here to take apart. We're going to try to do it real quick. So I'm going to kind of give you a setting here. So picture they're in their wilderness. There's tents all around and there's this big tent of meeting that's there. And so Moses is going to go into the tent of meeting and a cloud comes, basically a pillar of cloud comes down and goes into that tent of meeting as well. It's the, it's the manifest presence of God. It's a visual expression of God's presence. And they go into this tent and Moses speaks to God. And I love this face to face, face to face. Oh, that flipped over. Good. As, as one speaks to a friend. Okay. 
Now, I want you to stop here, and we got to understand something. Picture this in your mind. Now, where is Moses? We all know that. Moses is in the tent of meeting. But where are the people? The people are outside of their tent. They're not going in. Now, they're worshiping at their tent, but they're not going into God's presence. They are separated from God's presence. They are seeing this. They are watching this. There's some worship going on. But this is a separation here. Only Moses is able to go in there in Joshua. Joshua stays there. But there's a separation that is occurring at this point. There is a separation between God's people and God himself. Only Moses is able to go in. Later on, and we could have talked about this, when they actually build the temple, we see only a certain amount of individuals that are able to go into the Holy of Holies. We're not able to see. You couldn't just walk into God's presence. You couldn't do it. If you did, you'd die. There's a separation here. Only Moses, only a certain few are able to do this. But then, and I always love this when this happens, but then Jesus comes. Everything, listen, everything changes when Jesus comes. you got to understand that. If Jesus has come into an area of your life and things have not changed and things have not been transformed, it's not because Jesus doesn't want to. I would say it's because you are not allowing him to do the things he desires to do. Because Jesus always brings change. Jesus always brings disruption to the norm. He always does. And so Jesus shows up, and everything changes. He dies. He pays the price for us. He rises again. And in Hebrews 10, the writer of Hebrews begins to express that to us and begins to show us that in Hebrews 10, verses 19 and 22, through 22. And it says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. So now, because of Jesus' blood, because of his sacrifice, now we get to go in and we get to experience the presence of God in the most holy place. He says, by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. I love that because it's this idea, the, the, the writer of Hebrews is giving us this picture of the, the curtain that it separating us from God, being removed and being taken out. When Jesus died, that's what happened. And, it says, and since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. You got to understand, there was a time when not everybody could do what we get to do. There was a time where there was a separation, where you were at the entrance of the tent. You couldn't go in. Do you realize what we have? Because we have been born after Jesus' death, resurrection. You realize that there was a time where what we get to experience was something that was not experienceable to most people. David, listen, David never got to go into the Holy of Holies. Think of all the Old Testament individuals that we look at and go, wow. Wow, they, boy, they, you know, we look at, oh boy, yeah, if we could just be like him, or if I could just be like her, if I could just live. Listen, they never got to do this. The thing that we did this morning, the thing that we are experiencing right now were things that they didn't get to do. But we all get to go in now. Not because we are great, not because we're holy, not because we're perfect, but because of what Jesus has done for us. 
Because of what he's done, because of his great love, because of his sacrifice, now we get to boldly come in. We all get to come. Listen, there is not an exception for anyone. There is not anyone who can sit there and say, listen, I know God's presence is here. I know that God has invited me into the Holy of Holies. I know that I get to experience him in a way that's life-changing and life-forming and important. But you know what? I'll just sit back here on the sidelines. Doesn't work that way. Paul, as he's writing this scripture to the Corinthians, he's looking at it like, oh, no, no, but we all get to do this now. You see, they understood. They knew the situation. They knew, hey, there was a time where where people couldn't do this. And so Paul here is writing to individuals and to groups of people who are understanding, wow, wow, there doesn't have to be any separation anymore. There doesn't have to be this, this far, far away thing anymore. Now we can be with God. Listen, John sang some great songs this morning, and it was about, some of them were about closeness. David couldn't sing that song. And I love that in that place, in that environment, we see Moses speaking to God as a friend face-to-face. So now we can all come. Now we can all experience those moments with our Father, with the God that loves us. Next, we all have an active part to play. We all have enough. Now that we can all come in, now that we all get to be a part, we have a part to play and an active part to play. We have to understand that. In Psalms 150, verse number six, listen to this. This is important. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can you do me a favor? I'm, this is really difficult. I know. I know this is going to be hard for some of you because it's just difficult. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus on me for just a minute. Hey, I know you might be thinking about lunch or other things, but focus on me for just a minute and because this is going to take some concentration. This is going to take some, some focus. Are we ready? Here we go. I want you to breathe in. I want you to breathe out. Everybody okay? Everybody all right? If you just did that, you are to praise the Lord. I, I love, you know, I, I love, you got to understand something. I'm sometimes very simple-minded. I love when the Bible is very simple. That's very simple. If you have praise, if you have breath in your mouth, you are to praise the Lord. You know why? Who put that breath in you in the first place? God did. I love the picture of God forming us from the dirt. I, yeah, totally off topic, but just go with me. I love the fact that our God isn't afraid to get his hands dirty. He got down in the dirt, the dust, and he forms us. And not only does he form us, he breathes life into us. Where did that breath come from? It came from him. And so the writer of Psalms here, of 150, they're trying to get you to understand. Listen, if you got breath, you're to praise the Lord. There is no exception here. If you're breathing, praise the Lord. Simple. Easy. Look at Psalms 34. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Okay, now I want you to look at here and let's talk about what's not there. Okay? What says there is all times, at all times. It doesn't say I will bless the Lord when I get everything I want. It does not say I will bless the Lord when everything's perfect. It does not say I will bless the Lord when I, I like the music or I like the pastor or I like the, the, the volume. It says I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. Can we just be honest? Because that's what we do here. Okay. If you are 
more afraid, I'm doing, worried about your stuff and what you want. You are worshiping, but you are not worshiping God. I will bless the Lord at all times. And you know what? Sometimes, listen, listen, let's be honest. That's hard sometimes, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's real easy when everything's going great. When there's plenty of money in the bank account and the kids are doing exactly what you want and your boss is, is, is good and awesome and everything's just going. I mean, oh, man, I can praise the Lord. No problem then. But it's difficult when things aren't going well. It's hard when things are a little bit more scary. It's hard when the kids aren't obeying. It's hard when the boss is riding you. It's hard when the, the checking account may not have as much as you want. But let me explain something to you. I think in those moments, we need to be praising the Lord all the more. It's not easy, but it's important. And finally, look at Psalms 47, verse number one. It says, clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud sounds of joy. Listen, we all have a part to play in this. We all are a part of what God is doing and what God is wanting to do inside of us. It is not the responsibility of the people that are up here to worship alone. Listen, listen, we talked about this last week. Worship activates the priesthood. Worship is not just about what you are getting out of God. It is about what you are bringing to him. It is your sacrifice of praise. It is your gift to him. It's what you're doing. Not just up here, all of us. And again, please understand, we're not talking about how you should respond to God's presence. We're not saying, listen, if you're not raising your hands, well, you're just missing it. We're not saying if you're quiet, you're missing it. We're not saying if you're loud, you're missing it. What we're saying here is that there needs to be an active connection with God's spirit because he is here and desires to connect with you. And if you choose to do that in the moment loudly, that's fine. If you choose to do that quietly, again, that's fine. But it's got to be active. There has to be action involved in it. Because one thing you've got to understand You've got to understand this. And if we can understand this, I think it'll change who we are and how we worship. It's quite simply this. Passive worship cannot be justified on the grounds of Scripture, theology, or history. It can't. Listen, I don't have a lot of money. But if I had a $100 bill right here, and I said, listen, you show me Scripture where it says passive worship is scriptural, I'll give you a $100 bill. It's not there. It's not there. There is no point in scripture where it says it is completely fine to sit there and wait for it to be over. Listen, that's not there. In fact, what we see is the opposite. What we see is, is really expressive situations. We see people that are excited about what God is doing and what God has done. We don't see a lot of just sitting around waiting for it to be over. We don't see a, man... I'm ready for, what am I going to have for lunch? We see active participation. We see active individuals. We see active situations in people's lives. That's what God desires. That's what God is worthy of. Again, I'm not saying that needs to be loud and out there. If that's not who you are, that's okay. I remember being in Albuquerque, and I hadn't been there very long, and there was a guy there. His name was Bob. And Bob was kind of, kind of gruff and, 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 and kind of, he was kind of one of those guys that, that, that kind of, he, he was, when I was a kid, we did, you know, like little things in, in like kindergarten and there was warm fuzzies and cold pricklies, 
or something like that. And that was kind of one of those things that they teach you to help you be a nice person or something like that. Bob was more of a, um, a cold prickly. Okay, he wasn't a bad person. He loved Jesus, but he just wasn't, you know, you wouldn't give Bob a hug. You kind of shake Bob's hand maybe once a year. Okay, I'm just going to give you an idea. Great guy. And I remember thinking, you know, about Bob and, 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 and it was in worship one time. And Bob was not real loud and, and he was just kind of quiet. And I remember I remember we were in worship and I'm worshiping and, and, and I don't do this very often, but I opened my eyes and I looked back. And Bob was, was just sitting like right back behind me, just over my right shoulder. And Bob was quiet. And, and I, 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 I try not to read a lot into things, okay? And so this was more what God was speaking to my heart about that moment. But I'm just going to give you a picture. And Bob, his hands were like this. And his face was, was kind of contorted, not into anger or frustration, but just in intensity, if that makes sense. And I mean, he was so, I mean, he wasn't jumping up and down. His hands weren't raised. He wasn't, he wasn't even singing. Oh. And I remember thinking, and I thought in my flesh, I thought, well, well, that, you know, almost like a pride kind of, you know, well, he's not hardly worshiping. And, and God, uh, oh, this doesn't happen too terribly often, thankfully, but, but God disciplined me right immediately. And I mean, he, he was, he was, you know, sometimes we discipline our children. We say, you know, don't do that. And then other times it's like, no. And it was like, God went, no. And he said, you do, you never, never judge who's worshiping me in the way that I've asked him to worship. And I realized in that moment that Bob was intensely experiencing the presence of God, but it didn't look like me. It, he didn't respond like me. You see, this is what this, you got to understand. This is not about, I've got to be ex- necessarily exuberant all the time. It's understanding that passive worship can't be justified. And he was not passively worshiping. He was actively worshiping. So don't get hung up. Don't be like me. Don't get hung up on the outward. Look at the, what God is doing inside, knowing that, that we should be actively engaging our Father. And the final thing that goes right along in with that is finally point number three. We all must choose to worship. We all must choose to worship. Look at Psalms 9. Psalms 9, 1 through 2, it says this. I want you to check this out. It says, I will praise you, Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous marvelous things you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. Now, I know you all are real smart and brilliant people and and so many things, but if you haven't noticed, there is a slightly uh, repetitive pattern here that we probably need to check on, and that's quite simply this. It says, I will. I will. You've got to choose. Listen, you've got to choose. Now, maybe you're different than me, and I, I am totally aware of that. But I'll tell you what, I cannot walk into a worship service and just magically begin to worship. I have to decide that's what I'm going to do. I have to be willing to choose. I am going to enter in right now. I am going to take my thoughts captive. I'm not going to worry about what's going to happen later or what's going to take place later in the service or what I'm having for lunch or, or how the football team is doing. I have to take that moment and say, God, this is your moment. I choose, I will do these things. I will do them. I will choose. Look at Psalms 5. 
In Psalms 5, 7, it says, for me, it says this, But as for me, I will enter your house through the abundance of your steadfast love and tender mercy. At your holy temple, I will bow obediently in reverence for you. I will. I choose. I will do what is necessary. Listen. Listen, and please understand, I know when we talk about worship, we can get really hung up on some stuff, quite honestly, and hear my heart on this. It don't matter, okay? Hear me on this and hear my heart. Do not, listen, do not run to a place that I do not intend for you to go. Fight it, okay? Because I know where you're going to go. Because this is why pastors don't talk about worship, because it's too divisive. How silly and ridiculous is that? But let's talk about it. When we choose, we choose not based on songs we like, songs we know, songs that we understand. Listen, I I understand that there are songs that everybody likes. I I do too. Okay, we we, we get that. And here's, here's the thing, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I know that there are songs, I could rattle them off right now, that I could say, no, if, if, I, had my, if I had my choice, I, we'd sing this song, this song, this song, this song every week. Why? Because in those songs, God speaks to me in a certain way. In those songs, God has spoken to me, and they're special songs to me. Why are we surprised at that? I mean, listen, there is a song, anytime it comes on, and guess who I think of? Her. Why? Because there are songs that matter to our relationship. I know the song that we danced to on our first dance. I know the song that played when the slideshow played at our wedding. Those songs will always be special. When I hear them, I immediately think of those moments. Why? Because those are moments where I had a special connection with somebody I love. The problem is not the connection. We should desire that. Those are good moments. Those are special moments. But we've got to understand we are not here to worship ourselves. We're here to worship God. I said this to somebody one time, and please understand my heart on it. We were talking about things, and some of it was worship, and some of it was style, and some of these things. And I just flat out looked at him and said, man, listen, dude, your name's not on the door. And he looked at me, what do you mean? I said, your name's not on the door. What do you mean? We're, 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 We're an assembly of God, church. Not an assembly of Aaron, church. Not an assembly of you, church. This is God's church. Your name's not on the door. Can we have preferences? Of course we can. Can we have lights? Absolutely. But the bottom line is, is we're going to choose to worship no matter what because he's worthy to be worshiped no matter what. But if it's not a choice, if we're not going to do it, listen, you won't. You won't. I remember my, 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 my pastor, my, the president of my Bible college would pound this into us. And he, listen, he loved the hymns. Nothing wrong with the hymns. I love hymns too. But he would make this comment. He said, you will either worship and enter into worship, no matter what type of worship is coming out, whether it's new or old, or you will be judgmental of those who do. And he's right. Sometimes there are songs that, that I don't know but it's a wonderful opportunity in those moments to experience God. Maybe, here's the thing, maybe God doesn't want you to sing that song. 
Maybe he wants to experience an intimate moment with you. And and he's saying, hey, I want that song played because if you're singing, you're not listening as well as I want you to listen. So maybe it's time to be quiet and listen. But we all experience these things, but we got to choose it. We've got to make that choice that says no matter what, today, as a family, we're going to worship. We are going to connect with the heart of our Father because he is here. And listen, here's what's beautiful about this. Listen to me. You can go home and you can connect with Jesus on the songs you like. There is no leg. Do that. That's good. That's what we want. You know, if, if your only time you're worshiping is Sunday morning, listen, you're missing some amazing moments that God wants to encounter you throughout the week. But you've got to choose it. You've got to make that decision. David, who we look at as this amazing worshiper who wrote so many of the Psalms that we still sing today. Listen, David instructed himself more than a hundred times to praise and worship the Lord. A hundred times. David, Mr. Worship, who sings. Well, listen, sometimes I'm amazed. Like, John will show me a song that he's like, he's like, I really like this song. And I'm like, boy, that sounds familiar. I don't, where, do I, where have I heard that? He, and he's like, well, they just wrote it kind of a thing. And I'm like, well, I know I heard it. He's like, oh, yeah, it's in the Psalms. It's almost verbatim. And he puts, you know, he goes, there it is. And I go, oh, David, a hundred times, just in the Psalms he wrote. How many more times does he do it just in his own mind where he said, I am going to choose to do this. I will make this choice. And it changes everything. It changes everything. But all of us get to do this. Because there was a time when, when we didn't have that option. There was a time where we couldn't all go. And now we can. Now we can enter boldly into God's presence and experience him. We get to be actively involved. Listen, you've got to understand the picture here that the Bible is weaving, the tapestry that it's weaving throughout Scripture. We begin to see, first of all, Moses, and he's, he's meeting with God face to face, and then they move into this temple idea, and there's this, there's this, the sacrifices being given, and the action, and the work, and, 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 and bringing forth the lamb, and all those sort of things. And then Jesus comes, and that temple, that, that curtain is ripped in two, and God's presence goes out, and now we can experience him whenever, however, but there's still action that takes place for those that are in God's presence. Listen, you don't see in Scripture people going into God's presence and doing nothing. What did Moses do? He spoke face to face. What did the priests do? They ministered before the Lord. What are we to do now? We're to minister and to speak to the Lord in those moments of intensity and knowing that his presence is all around us and he's ministering to us and we're ministering to him. And it's a beautiful, awesome thing. And quite honestly, most of us miss it because we're worried about stuff that just doesn't matter. And you're passionate about this. You better believe I'm passionate about it because I want people that I love and care about to experience the fullness of God. What do you think that I got pounded? Word and worship, word and worship, word and worship. Simple, because in those things, God ministers to his people intimately. And I want that for us. I want to, wherever I'm at or wherever you're at, I want us to take steps to get closer. Because listen, no matter where you are, we can experience the manifest presence of God in a more deep, more intimate way. 
Jesus didn't say, I came to give you life and more abundantly when you're dead. He said, I came to give you life more abundantly today. And it's a quite simple question. Are you living in an abundant life? Because that's what Jesus promised you. And Jesus' promises are yes and amen. So if you're not, that's not on him. That's a choice that you are making. And it could be based on lots of things. And I promise you this, there's not one that's good enough to miss what God has for you. There's not one that oversees the understanding that God is worthy to be praised because he put the breath in your mouth. He is do everything. He is do all our praise, all our honor, honor. It is all do him. And let me explain something to you quite simply. He would be do it even if he never had sent Jesus and Jesus had never come. He'd still do it. He'd still be do it. How much more now that we've been adopted back into God's family? How much more? Because Jesus came and he gave himself for a ransom for our lives. How much more should we desire to be with him when he did everything to win us home? That when we came home, he wasn't a stern father tapping his foot saying, how dare you? But he threw his arms around us and he said, my son that was dead is alive again. Sometimes we feel like we can't come into God's presence because we're too dirty, we're too filthy. Listen, the story of the prodigal, there's never a, son, there, there's never a point in that story where it says, and the prodigal got up, left the pig pen, started to head to his father, stopped off at a bathhouse and got cleaned up and then went and saw his dad. It didn't say, as the father came running to his son, that he put his arms out and said, listen, son, I love you and I'm going to accept you back, but can you go get a bath first? He wrapped his arms around his son. He said, no, 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 no. You're mine. So many times in my own life, because of pride or silly things or judgmental attitudes or whatever it might be, I have missed what God desired to do in me and through me because I was more worried about stuff that didn't matter instead of just worrying about being in my father's arms. And and listen, I understand. Some of you may be uncomfortable with that imagery. Some of you may go, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. And, and, and listen, I, I understand that because sometimes that's not easy to see or understand. But, but the truth is we can't let anything keep us from our father because he didn't let anything keep him from us. If the worship team wants to come up, we're going to close with, with a little bit of a, of a story that most of you've heard before. And, but I think it really is important. And, and what's funny is, as I was looking at this story and looking through um, the next several weeks, as far as where we're going with this series, it's probably one of those stories that I could tell every Sunday after, as we close, because it just means so much. And, it, and there's so much that we can take from it. And so maybe I will, we'll see what God leads. But it's the story of David and, and Saul's daughter. And uh, to give you kind of a little background is, uh, David, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant has been, been missing. It's been out of Jerusalem and long story behind that. We won't get into it. 
And, and there's a story where the ark is being brought back in. Now, you have to understand, to a Jewish person at this time, the ark coming back in was the manifest presence of God in a lot of ways. It was, it was almost like to them, God has been missing, okay? You've got to understand this, the, the depth of what this, this ark meant. Because this, you know, you've got to remember the name. It's the ark of the covenant. It is the covenant. It is, it is everything to them. And they have had it missing. It's been stolen, and now it's coming back. And the Bible records that David begins to in the middle of the processional, the king begins to worship and begins to praise and begins to, it literally says that he strips down to about his underwear, okay? And begins to just dance before the Lord and begin to worship and begin to praise. He's so excited about the fact that his, that God is home, if, if that makes sense, okay? I know you have to kind of, it's hard for us, amazingly so, it's hard for us to get our mind in there because we're so used to the presence of God. But to them, it was something that was not like that. Jesus hadn't come yet. And so he begins to dance and he begins to worship and they begin in this processional. And in this, this, this story, one of Saul's daughters is, is looking out a window and she sees David. And, and, and the Bible says that she's just full of contempt and she's full of judgment and she's just bitter and angry and just like, and David comes in from this moment. And the Bible records that she walks up into him and basically says in so many words, well, nice to see the king of Israel made an absolute fool of himself today. And David's response is very interesting. His response was basically, you haven't seen nothing yet. His response is basically, I will be even more of a fool before my God. And that's usually sometimes where the story ends. That's where, you know, the pastor cuts the story. And that's, but there's, there's a couple extra verses there. And the Bible says that from that day on, Saul's daughter is barren. She's unable to have children. And we, we look at that and go, oh, you know, maybe she didn't want kids. You know, that mattered. That was massively huge during this time. And she is unable to bear children. Why? A couple of reasons. One, here, here's the question I have. Why is she at the window? Why isn't she down with the processional? I mean, we like to talk about the fact, oh, she was mean and, and, and called David names and, and was judgmental. But where was she? She was at the window. You know what's amazing to me? In churches all across this country, all across this world, in so many ways, every Sunday, every, every day, every, every, you know, sometimes all, when, when people meet, in a lot of ways, Jesus is here. He's, you know, the, the, if this makes sense, the ark has come home. And it's so sad that there are so many people that stay at the window. That stay at the window. And, and if that wasn't bad enough, they don't just stay at the window. They're critical of those that don't. They, they tell them they're doing it wrong. They tell them it's not the right way. 
Now, I need, you need to understand something really deep because there's something here that you need to catch. Because I truly believe this. If you stay at the window and you're critical of those that are entering in, you will be barren spiritually. God will not birth new things in you when you have that type of an attitude. And God desperately desires to birth things in us. In the last days, there are going to be dreams and visions and, 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 and incredible moments. And God wants to birth those in all of us. All of us. We're all the priests now. God wants to do that in every single one of us. You look at that scripture, we see every age, every gender, everybody's covered. As far as what God wants to birth in us. God wants to birth in this place. And God will not birth it if we stay at the window. And I want it birthed in me. And so you need to understand something. As your pastor, I I can't afford to not have things birthed in me. And so I'm going to worship. I had somebody say early on when John first got here, they made the comment, well, you know, somebody in our church, they said, you know, I'm not sure how I, I understand what John's doing in all this worship. And, and he made the comment. He said, he said, honestly, he said, when I see, and, and you understand, this was like six, eight months ago. This is a while ago. He said, when I see what goes on in our worship, he said, it's usually you worshiping, your wife worshiping, and maybe a couple others and everybody else just standing there. And I was like, well, okay. And and he was like, we should maybe stop doing what we're doing. We should maybe do something different. And I was like, nope, we're not. We're going to worship. And I'll make you a promise. Just so you know. So if you want to help, if you want to go find someplace else to be on Sunday, that's cool with me. I'm serious. I love you, but I'll help you find a place. We're going to worship. And if it's just me, and I know my wife, she, if it's just us, we're doing it. Because he's worthy. Because we're going to choose. Because we want things birthed in us and in this church. Listen, my ideas aren't going to be good enough. They're not good enough. We need the supernatural birthing of something greater and something big that God wants to do in us. And I am not going to let something that you, you makes you uncomfortable keep us from moving in that direction. He is not up here to be a show. He is up here to enter into the presence of God and we're going to follow him. And if that means me and my wife and his wife and you, we're we're going. And I know that's not all that's going to go. I know we're going to go, but I want you to understand. We're not doing this so at the end of this, we can be the same. We're not doing this so at the end of this series, we can look at it and go, oh, wasn't that wonderful? Oh, that's great. Let's go back to the way we were. No, we're growing. We're changing. We're experiencing God's presence and he will change us if we let him. And if that means it's just us, we're doing it. Oh, that's harsh. Oh, you can't say that. I just did. Because I believe it. I believe it's scriptural. I believe that's what God wants. And we're going to experience the fullness of his presence. And guess what? We get to do it right now. We have been doing it right now. We get to experience God. 
We get to go into his presence boldly because he's invited us in. He's made a way where there was no way. And you know what? Yeah, yes, guess what? You might not know the song. Get over it. And I mean that with all the love I can muster. You know why? Because I don't want anything to keep you from experiencing the presence of God. I want you to do your priestly duty. I want you to bring your sacrifice of praise and your sacrifice of worship and say, you know what, God? I may not always understand the song. I might not know the song. It might not be my favorite song. I wish, maybe wish we had another song, but it doesn't matter because you're worthy and I choose to worship you. Whether it's quiet, loud, hands up, hands down, sitting, standing, does not matter. It's the heart that matters. The problem is their hearts are right sometimes. But you have breath. You are to praise God. You are breathing. You are to praise God. And here's what's beautiful. When we know him and have experienced him and accepted him in, when you are no longer breathing, guess what you're going to do? You're going to praise God. Every person will. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. You might as well start now. You might as well get some practice in. Because we're going to do it for all eternity. Not in some massive, huge choir but everything that we do, our actions, our lives, our songs, our speaking, everything that we say, do experience, are going to be praises to our God. It's more than a song. It's a life. And we got to choose it. So right now, I just want to pray over you. John and the worship team are going to come. They're going to lead us in a closing song. They're going to close us in just a song that we get to worship to God through. And you say, well, I don't know this song. That's okay. It's okay. Maybe this, this is a moment that you just need to speak to your father. Maybe you haven't in a long time. Maybe it's time to say, you know what, God? You're worthy, and I choose. Maybe right now it's time to stop worrying about where you're going to go for lunch and focus on him and what he wants to do in you and through you. Because we all get to go in now. Don't be left behind. Don't stay on the court. Listen, listen, it would make no sense now for you to stand at the entrance of your tent. You don't need to be there. You can come with us and go experience God's presence and let him do something inside of you. So let's pray. Father, we love you. And Jesus, we're so thankful that we don't live under the old covenant anymore. That, 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 that we don't have a situation where there's one guy once a year that can go in and experience you and then come out. God, we all get to do this now because you are a God, not of, the, of just the individual, but you are a God of all of us. You, you desire for all of us to come and experience you. What's interesting, I, I really believe this with all my heart, that God, as you were experiencing that one individual that they were coming into the temple, I think there was a yearning and a desire and, and just this, this heartache inside of you that says, oh, I wish that all my kids could come. And they will. They will. And what a day that will be. It's a father right now. Because of Jesus, not because of our perfection or lack thereof, we can now experience you and let you speak to us. Let, let your words be on, on display in our lives. Father, it's time. It's time. Because we need things birthed in us. We need new things birthed in us. We don't want to be critical. We don't want to be judgmental. We want to experience you. 
and that's what we desire. And that's what you desire. So Father, as we open our hearts to you, as we begin to actively engage you, Father, I pray as I know you will, because you promised us that as we draw near to you, you'll draw near to us and that you'll change us and make us more like you. That's what we desire. That's what we need. So Father, help us. Change us. Let us make those decisions right now that say, I will praise the Lord. I will worship him. Your praise will be on my mouth at all times, in all situations, and in all circumstances, because you're worthy of that. Because of all you've done, all that you are, you are worthy. So now we come to experience you.